Four extremely underqualified women, <coughs> except for the one with a screenwriting degree, are here to analyze potential bait for the 2021 Academy Awards so you don't have to. Like Frances McDormand, we've got some things to say, so remember that these are our opinions. If you think we have a bad take, let us know. This podcast will contain spoilers, so listen at your own risk. Now grab your popcorn, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Oscar Bait. Welcome to Oscar Bait with your hosts, Julia Boyle, Libby Haberberger, Maddie Haberberger, and Emily Kaye. Welcome back to Oscar Bait. This week, we are talking about a movie that the four of us actually enjoyed. So, that's a positive change. Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago 7 follows the events leading up to and during the police riots that erupted near the 1968 Democratic National Convention in, you guessed it, Chicago. It mainly focuses on the court proceedings of the so-called Chicago 7, who were accused of inciting the riot. Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Dave Dellinger, Tom Hayden... Rennie Davis, Lee Weiner, and John Freund. Um, It's incredibly important to note that Bobby Seale, a black man who was the leader of the Black Panther Party at that time, was originally charged alongside the Chicago 7, but we'll let you watch the movie yourself to see how his story plays out. Um, It's just as important to be told as the story of the 7. The film gives us an inside look at the lives of the men involved before, during, and after the events of August 1968. It is an incredibly timely film, super important, especially considering the climate of our country today. In the description, we're going to link a really cool NPR interview with the author of a book about the Chai Sev, as we have so pleasantly nicknamed them. Chai Sev. Which helped inspire Sorkin's screenplay. So the screenplay for this was written in 2006, so it's not like Aaron Sorkin was like, you know what, I'm going to use like the events of 1968 and parallel them to the events of today in this crazy way that's like really interesting and frightening i would just say that this movie is extremely important for today because it just goes to show how messed up the judicial system is and how messed up it has been and it's so sad and scary to watch this movie in 2021 and see how just how it similar it is to today places. yeah exactly i it's it's just so sad it's so sad the footage of them at the riots minus the 70s garb and add some skyscrapers in the background it could have been taken this summer like oh it's that's very so true. scary like it could have been the trial of the fourteen thousand people that were arrested in connection with black lives matter protests this summer yeah 100 100 <laughs> when they were first walking up to the courthouse when Abby and Jerry were like entering for the first time, there's people with signs that have the same Black yes, Lives Matter. Yes, I fits. saw that. We feel like 1970 was so long ago, but how much progress have we actually made? Literally. And that's like what I really took away from this movie was like, oh my god, oh, like we act like it was so starkly different to the world that we live in today, but it's not. Yeah, that's what my Benson's about. Just to preference, pref, pref, preface. Oh, we're getting a little Benny hint. The, uh, I can't remember what the the legislation is called, uh, the federal legislation that un- allowed Assistant Attorney General Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> to charge these men with, like, inciting a riot, but William Barr, who's the current, was the- Was it used recently? Yeah. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? He's trying to use it 
I, Black Lives Matter no. cases. I knew it. I knew it. I knew yep. it. I knew are it. Are you I kidding? Oh, God. For those of you <laughs> listening to the pod that are not aware, um, I'm actually a member of the University of Pittsburgh mock trial team. So courtroom dramas, when Ooh. especially when Aaron Sorkin writes them, it's like he's taking a bone <laughs> saw, cutting off the top of my skull, and like massaging the little malnourished parts of my brain that don't usually get hit by regular movies. Uh, so I'm a sucker for them. But I made myself a little upset when I was doing research for this pod episode because a lot of people were overly, in my opinion, critical of the serendipity of the release. Um, And I think the biggest problem with that is that Aaron Sorkin's a white guy. The movie's fundamentally about seven white guys. Sorkin wrote the screenplay, he directed it. And I think trying to view it through a lens of like, oh, this movie should be pushing forward our savior exactly this needs to be our savior for this year yeah it I think that's I can't think of a better word than problematic because like that's not I don't think at all what they claimed the movie would be at all I think for what it's worth that Sorkin who is admittedly very very centrist took some stabs at some stuff that I didn't expect him to take stabs at which is really cool so I just love the way he writes and the way that he waxes and wanes the action. I th- he gets especially strong in the third act. I was just going to say, I feel like we were talking about how, uh, you know, earlier you said that people were mad that Bobby Seale wasn't, like, represented enough and blah, 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 blah. But, like, in the long run, I mean, this wasn't Sorkin trying to tell Bobby Seale's story, which I think would have been way yeah, worse if it was um, he and like you said it like it's not it, he should have his own separate movie his own separate story because in the long run he wasn't really associated with the chicago seven which is shown in the movie in the movie he says yeah. it himself Back on what julia said this movie is more so about the judicial system and how messed up it is rather than like him trying to tell someone else's stories. I don't even want to address him as judge because he was such a disgusting scumbag. But uh, Julius Hoffman, who presided over this case, was born on July 7th, 1895. Ew! That's crusty, <laughs> You're lying. I swear to God, he was born before the Titanic sunk. Had he lived somehow to 2020 he would have lived through two pandemics he's like just a little younger than electricity (laughs) (laughs) like just enough speaking of how that disgusting despicable judge frank langella god bless you for playing that part because I wanted to kick you in the he teeth. He did really good. The whole he time. was very he good. Was awesome. He was so good at playing an absolutely despicable man. So kudos to you, brother. And just like so wrong, like just so he was so vile and like out of his like honestly, they portrayed that part well, uh, like his age. Because I literally was questioning like why he should probably not be allowed to like preside over a hearing anymore, like. He is old right. and just so out of touch. Like, the way he couldn't pronounce half of their names. I like how he was very careful about when he screamed, mm-hmm. which sounds weird. But I feel like he was very, like, calm in delivering, like, classic white man. I'm just going to say this sternly and scare you so that you know that I'm serious. But then, like, he would just have these moments where he would just, like, erupt 
and it low-key scared the crap out of me and me he, as well like it was i don't know i just really like that he did that also so just good job yeah all of the acting honestly in this movie was oh my god Super. it was it was a master class <laughs> it really was so, the yeah. cast from the leads to yeah. the supportings ensemble cast like of everybody the was ensemble cast oh, of the yeah, season so true I think my favorite acting performance came Michael from Keaton. Yaya Abdul-Mateen, who played Bobby Seale. I think that there were times where he was like, and this says a lot because the acting in this movie was so good. He was running circles right. around everybody. And he, every yeah. line he delivered was 110% perfect. I felt my heart actually drop like into my colon whenever they were binding and gagging him in an American courtroom when they were like and Joseph Gordon-Levitt stand up white boy and go handle that stand white boy and the fact that in the movie we see like we were horrified by that for like 10-15 minutes maybe like but he in reality he sat like that for days for days that that is so wrong but again like he was incredibly whenever they went to tell him that oh, yes, Fred had been shot. Heart wrenching. I have a really strong, severe <laughs> crush on Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, he's y'all. like fifty. He's fifty. <laughs> he's forty-eight. So Jason Bateman's fifty-two. I think that all of the seven were wonderful. I thought that that opening sequence—it was Aaron Sorkin and Spike Lee having a each baby. Of their little vibes and each of their groups. I thought they, they each like, held their own with their personalities. The dynamic of Abby and Jerry, <gasps> that like comedy oh. between them when they met joseph gordon levitt in the park and they were just so messing around their timing was so good the chemistry between sasha and eddie redmayne mm-hmm. and i was sitting there and i like remembered spontaneously i was like that's like tenardier yes. <laughs> no sorry i just think of if i had to pick one of the seven to marry <laughs> f mary kill Guys, okay, so this is for any of the listeners who have seen Succession. Jeremy Strong plays the protagonist, not protagonist, but the main character, whatever, um, in Succession. And it's a very serious role. It's an HBO show. It's so good. Watch if you have it. And to see him go from that to this, like, very goofy comedic relief, it is so fun. And it just... I think his range is so good. And him and Sasha playing off of each other was so fun to see. And it was, it was without them in the movie, like, I don't think I would have liked it as much. They were perfect. They were literally perfect in their roles. Yeah. Everyone's chemistry was so good. The rapport that they had with Mark Rylance, who I would say was second best for me as I agree. Um, William Kunstler, who was uh, their defense attorney, his performance was. I mean, he's a theater guy. What do you expect? When he, those moments where he lost it in the courtroom were so, so incredible. That that pure frustration at the, mm-hmm. the blatant incompetence of the judge. Like, he really, he... It's like Mr. Kunstler with another count of contempt. <laughs> I would sell my soul for ensemble-driven movies. And if they're done right, and like this was done so right... Um, back to the opening montage, which Maddie told us is seven minutes long, but it doesn't even feel that long because it's just perfect and golden. But, like, they did such a good job introducing the characters, too, because that's another pet peeve with ensemble movies is, like, sometimes we don't meet people until, like, halfway through. Like, Knives Out, for example, despite how much I love that movie, we see Chris Evans 
like halfway through, which I know fits his character, but like that's one of those things where I'm like, mm. but this one, we meet literally everybody within like the first 10 minutes. It's just so good. Also, Sasha was my favorite as well. Um, I keep saying that he carried the movie, but that sounds really mean as if like everyone else did a bad job, but he just like outshone for me. And I wanted to talk about his accent too, because whenever I was watching this with my friends, one of them was like, LOL. But he is British in case our listeners don't know. And I read on IMDb that he was like really, really freaked out to do an American accent because he's like done them for bits before, but he's never played like a serious role that has right, an American accent. Right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My life. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not good. So don't <laughs> take that up. He, the care, Abby Hoffman is from massachusetts and then he goes to school in california so he has like this weird mix of an accent i thought he nailed it i did too and he was worried that he would sound wrong and then aaron sorkin had to reassure him that the role was quote not an impersonation but an interpretation which baron cohen claimed did not help much which i thought was (laughs) (laughs) Um, i love him every single person that acted in this film was incredible we didn't even get to talk about john carroll lynch who played Dave Dellinger. Oh, my uncle. Who was the uncle of the year. Alex Sharp that played Rennie Davis was awesome. Even uh, the guys, Weiner and Freunds, who were barely involved. They were sweeties. Showed up. Everybody showed up. And that's just the seven of them. Anytime they spoke, it was purposeful, and I laughed at what they had to say, or I was affected by it the way that I was supposed to be affected by it. Like, every single line was delivered with intention, Mm-hmm. And I believed it, and it felt real and authentic. And that comes from how good the acting was, but also a lot of that comes from Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. Oh my god. Oh Screenplay trick. No <sighs> offense to Hillbilly Elegy. Actually, offense yeah, to all Hillbilly Elegy. You know how we felt about <laughs> that movie. We were all so psyched to talk about this movie because the writing holy mother is just it's perfect so good let it be said let it be said here and now on the podcast that this was the first aaron sorkin feature that emily kane's screenwriting bachelor of the arts holder has ever seen which is this is true and i'm a converted changed moment i have in my notes written uh, down network i have an egg we'll get rid of that you don't think i want to because that was just an example of like one of my favorite that was that was good i hate Mm -hmm. dialogue that's good but it's not paced right and this like like we i mean we've talked about this but like everybody was just so in sync with each other that like i have an egg we'll get rid of that you don't like it just it was all so quick and that's what made it like so funny but so real real at the same time yes especially between sasha and jeremy they had the most perfect pacing of like of the whole movie the drummer bit too it was beautiful or the scene where they're when the trial had just started and they're taking their first recess and they're like, I think this judge is crazy and all this oh. stuff. And they're all going back and forth. That's Not such only, a good again, scene. We had just seen that opening montage that had established the characteristics and mannerisms and like the attitudes and kind of the vibe of each right. little group. And all of these groups are now being put together. They're being blended together in this trial as defendants together and seeing them operate together was just really, really a cool thing. I, and that's why ensemble casts are the best. Because, you know, like, you love seeing them interact, and then when they do, and it works out so well. But they can all still hold their own. You just, like, sit there and think, wow, this is why I love movies. Film Academy, if you're listening, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, you're cowards for not creating a Best Ensemble Award. Cowardice. Yes! The Globes does it. That's a fun award. Have some respect. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. I don't think this is a very hot take, but Sorkin the writer is, like, 50 times better than Sorkin the director. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think he's sanctimonious. A lot of people think he's self-important. But he's a theater kid. They all are. And the way that he... When we were talking about this earlier, Kane said that this is one movie that she wouldn't be upset if it got made into a play because the dialogue just functions True. so well regardless of the medium. I could see it. It felt like you were watching like a recorded like it literally felt like you were already watching the play. Like if you literally took this and you told like if I had never seen this and you gave it to me and said this is a recording of the Winter Garden Theater production of the trial of the Chicago Seven, I would have been like, Yep, that was on Broadway. Yeah. Winter Garden. God. And that's yeah. Sorkin. Like, he wrote the To Kill a Mockingbird adaptation that blew up, and it was brilliant. And, like, he just understands, because he's a friggin' yeah. BFA, like, he understands that. And like Kane said, I could literally see the staging of when Abby's doing his stand-up, and it goes back right. to the courtroom, and it goes to the truck. Like, I could see that. But I also did think it functioned really well as a movie. And again, like, the writing of that in that beginning montage, too. I keep going back to that. It's very so good. good. I well. so agree. But the so way agree. that it transitioned from, like, David Dellinger goes, like, what do we do with the police? Oh, my God. Then it cuts to the Black Panthers and they're Holy like, beep, crap. Beep, yeah. it, it is quintessential Sorkin. It is Sorkin. And, I, I think at his best. I think this might be my favorite Sorkin film, which is saying a lot, especially when there's Molly's Game in the social network and a few good men to like pick from i i really loved the pacing in this movie and a lot of the negative reviews i read were like oh it was the th especially the third act was like really welcome because the pacing was bad but like i just i disagree so wholeheartedly with that and maybe that's just me being dumb and falling into the trap but i just loved it i don't know if i like don't know anything but i also thought that the editing was so good which we've been saying also i don't know if, like, yes. people are going to be mad. I feel like I don't know a lot when it comes to editing because I thought Bohemian Rhapsody was kind of good at oh, editing. No. And obviously, I was very oh, no. with that. Um, but I also only... Okay, I only saw it once, and I wasn't really paying attention because I was really distracted by Michael Myers being that guy. But anyway, the cuts were perfect, which a lot of people don't, like, back and forth like that. But I thought... I love it. it really, oh, I'm a stan. I'm a stan. Yeah, Michael did I thought like it nailed that. the story. Oh, it was perfect it was for the story they were telling. Sorkin wrote the screenplay and he directed it and like I said earlier Sorkin the screenwriter is 50 times better than Sorkin the director. That's what we're gonna talk about after we take this pee break. Ah! Sorkin sells Chicago 7 by the <laughs> screenplay. And we are we're back, back from the pee break. <laughs> Next up we're talking about direction. Yeah so Aaron Sorkin wrote the piece and he directed the piece, which he 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 puts his fingers so deep in everything he touches. Ew. Ew. <laughs> the boy does what he wants with his work. Guys, he's a Gemini. It makes sense. I literally just looked up his star. Oh sign. my god, really? Gemini. Yeah. So for his sophomore attempt at directing, this was good. Not, not awful. awful at all. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah, I'm not mad. But I wasn't thinking about the directing. Like what I was thinking about during this movie. Like I was the first. I watched it twice. The first time I watched it. I was just genuinely, like, struck by it. Like, I was mm -hmm. just genuinely moved. And then the second time is where I looked at it with a more critical filmmaker's eye. And again, like, it all checks out. Yeah. <laughs> like, it all it was all good to out. me. Yeah, my second watch, I cried. So I agree with you. Yeah, I have one qualm with some of the direction, we could say. I'm very confused as to what they were trying to do whenever Sasha was 
being cross-examined, right? Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. And um, so yes. after he's done, it just, like, fades to black. Oh, that was so frustrating. And here's my thing. I don't know if yes. they, like, just kind of gave up and were like, okay, like, I'm so tired. Like, let's just have it fade to black. I've never been on trial for my thoughts before. Yeah. I feel like people don't do I didn't like that. But like, that was what like was the, the one goal? part of the movie I did not like. What was yeah, the goal? That's a really good point, yeah. Julia. I know. I was oh, like, is the movie funny. over? That was the most theatrical part of the whole movie, yeah, too. Certainly. When he was like, I've never been on trial for my thought. I was like, oh my God, I'm watching a play right now. Yeah. That was like the most yeah. theatrical part. And then they faded. I was like, this I is I loved dramatic. when he was like, if Abraham Lincoln gave his Gettysburg speech in Lincoln Pack today, <laughs> in Lincoln Pack, he'd be yeah. up here on trial. Lincoln Pack. Oh, and you know who's a very important part of this ending scene that we're talking about right now? Kent State alumnus Michael <gasps> Keaton. That was Good that flashes. was akin to Bob Odenkirk showing up in Little Women for me. <laughs> really? <laughs> I literally said out loud, Michael Keaton. I know. I was. I literally like when I texted you guys. Like I was we like, all collect. The four of us saw Little Women together, which was quite an experience, and. I think when Bob Odenkirk walked through the doors as as Papa, we all gasped. we all collectively gasped and went Bob Odenkirk. And no, and like when Michael Keaton entered the chat, I was like, y'all, <laughs> what's Keaton going on? Has entered the chat. He was great too, like another member of the yeah. ensemble yeah. that just nailed it. And he nailed it. I've never not so liked Michael Keaton in something. He is welcome in any film ever. Oh my gosh! And whenever they would go back from the secret agents. They would see them in court. That and then was dope. in yeah. the riot. That, that was, was so, so yes. cool. That was so that was good. And that's where the editing and the cinematography comes in, is in those riot mm-hmm. sequences. The way that they cut actual footage in with the footage, like the stuff they did while they were filming. And like, it matched and so how well. They would cut really quick. They, it was real. Uh, that was really good. Like what I said earlier, like we are kids. All of the guys that were on trial in this movie are like, late 20s early 30s but a lot of the kids a lot of the people who are a part of this counterculture anti-war movement are our age so it's highly likely that we would be the kids who were no, that's literally protests. that's one of the lines whenever or he's like no shows this weekend and abby's like no they're all on winter break my fans are home with their parents like it's literally kids going home to their parents one of my favorite parts of those riot sequences was when the music would get all intense and it was like right. bah, 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 and they're all like running and fighting i thought the music, oh, the yeah. music was so good it was so well i don't know what happened to me that i didn't notice it i'll say yes but i'll say this the music in the beginning was super it just went so well with the pacing because it was just very like high energy like let's get it going we're watching a movie yes. and then i really enjoyed whenever we were listening to the tape recording the music then was very like climatic like when a movie can mix like music music with like a good cinematic score right. i think yep, it's doing something sure. right and i think this movie yeah. did that very right this is maybe bad and like i'm sorry i love the movie and i was greatly moved by it but when they were they were reading the names at the end, oh my gosh, it tears were good. streaming down my face. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt stands up. I was like, yes, girl. His a-hole sidekick walks out of the room, and they're reading the names, and the judge is like, stop it! <laughs> and all I could think was, do you think they're tired of clapping this long? Oh, yeah. I was thinking that too. And did they actually read all the names? Do we know this? Did that really happen? No, it's not. It's Hold not on. real. It's not real. Oh. Are you serious? That was powerful, though. Dellinger managed to read a few names on Vietnam moratorium day before being shut down by Judge Hoffman. 
So that wasn't real. Judge Hoffman can stick it where the sun don't shine. <laughs> okay, but also the ending kind of sucked. Why, why the hell would they literally interrupt the reading of the names just to give us their, like, where they are now? Yes, and then cut back to two seconds of, a, of the scene and then cut to black and then do one more... The world is watching. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. why did he go, stop like, it! One last time. I had two Whose idea was that? It was that and the Sasha bit. Yeah, I wish they also would have given us information on all of the seven. They were like four, and then they were like, oh, we've actually used our budget for for text features in this film. We've only paid for like, 17 uses died. of this typeface, so time we can only include information on four of the Chicago Seven. Yeah, and they should have either made the <laughs> still image darker or added a more opaque drop shadow or something because i did struggle the graphic designer in me did struggle a little bit with that typeface it is a bold choice to use a serif font for subtitles and i thought that they functioned very well like during the course of the film i love the way that boy uses text i love that boy i wrote in my note jerry rubin getting hit by a car dot 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 why just like in general i was really upset that that happened in real life yeah and that abby hoffman killed himself did he really? Yeah, Abby Hoffman they killed said it at the end. that was, yeah, it did it say it at the, the end of the movie. Really? Yes, when? Yeah. Can we talk for a second? My literal heart shattered when she said, one egg is enough. And then she turned out to be an undercover. He was like, does she ever talk about me? I felt, (laughs) yeah, he was like, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt was like, how long have you known her? And he was like, 96 hours, could have been a lifetime. See, I loved him. He was my favorite. He was seriously my favorite. That wasn't real. That didn't happen. He was my burger compare dream crush. Oh, wait, we didn't talk about Wineglass, who was also really, really great. Yeah, Um, I meant to say that earlier. His delivery on when they all three approached the bench and, uh, Judge Hoffman was like, are you questioning my... Like, nobody's ever called me a racist before. He goes, let them let the record show that I'm the second. And that's the end of that conversation. And I was like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is that is the furthest thing from sanctimonious for me. I think that the way that Sorkin writes one-liners <laughs> is so killer. I just love him. I love his writing. Also, whenever he... Who... What's, um, juror number six? Who was she reading? And she, like, goes up to him and she's like, I'm sorry. And she, he's like, keep reading James Baldwin. And then, like, that's the end. And I was like, I was like, juror yeah. number six has a crush on him. And so it's do they warranted, kiss? girl. It's warranted. Here's something I do take issue with. If I'm going to get super picky, which, again, Aaron Sorkin, I'm literally 20 getting my degree in journalism. So, like, don't listen to me if you don't want to. But the whole sequence whenever the two jurors had to be removed because they got letters mm-hmm. from the quote-unquote Black Panthers, I wish that he had made that maybe just a tiny bit more obvious that the other people had done it. Because I know Kunstler was like, once we get evidence that you did this, you're going to see the judicial system way up closer than you yes, ever wanted to say it. Or whatever he's he said. A 1920s I just wish that they would have made that a little more <laughs> obvious and intense. But when they were like, they, they were so, if I was in that courtroom, I would have been having a ball <laughs> when they would all go, overruled any time that the- No, Maddie, Maddie, please. One of my notes is literally just this. Imagine being in the courtroom. That was literally my note. Oh my <sighs> god, I would have died. I also had the courtroom collectively saying overruled is so good. And then as I was writing that, or like right after Livy was like, or someone said that he pulled right from the transcripts. And I was trying to see if they actually did that because that would have been so, so funny if they did. But I also, I also loved that bit. It was just set, like, it was funny the first time. And then the fact that they made it like a throwaway overruled towards the end, I was like, damn. 181 days. Yeah. Like, that's what Libby said, is that 
it's so dramatic. It is truly a very dramatic piece of media, but never once did I feel like yeah. it was too dramatic. I thought it was an incredibly effective way to tell this very important mm-hmm. story. I agree. That's what I got. Aaron Sorkin, I think you nailed it. Aaron Sorkin, it, do you want to come on the pod? I love fast-paced, like, bam, 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 bam. It makes me pay attention more, and it makes me more interested in the movie. Yeah. That's just a personal thing, but I thought he did a great job. Yeah. One of my cuts I also forgot to mention that I really, really liked was, I didn't like it, but it was a good cut. Whenever they were um, handcuffing Bobby and gagging him and everything, the cuts from that to just, like, silence in the courtroom mm-hmm. to people just sitting there knowing what's happening. Yeah. All the cuts were yeah. so good, and there wasn't a single cut that I thought was, like, out of place or, like, oh, they didn't need to do that to further the story. Very purposeful. Yeah, everything so purposeful. was purposeful. Perfect and purposeful. It's such a testament to the writing and the way that Sorkin set this up. It's so mm-hmm. quintessentially him. I hate to keep calling back other people's criticisms, but they really frustrated me because expecting Sorkin to do something different would be like asking Wes Anderson to do a film in something other than pastels. Oh. Like, you know his body of work and you know what to expect from him. Shakespeare, write a rap! Yeah, ex- exactly. It, it was exactly what I expected from him, and that's why I loved it so much, because he tickles my brain strings. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sorkin. Not to ever want, like, I never want to say, saying the word kind of, like, does make bile rise in the back of my throat. Bruh. Like, Hillbilly Elegy, they were just kind of playing, I felt like. Every single piece of this movie, every single piece of The Trial of the Chicago 7 felt purposeful. It felt mm-hmm. like it, there was intention there. It was, it was so thick, meticulously and it was, made. It was solid. You know they put a lot of care Kane, into this. what? Yeah. Guys. Kane, why are you gasping so severely? I was just on Twitter for a hot second, and Variety did one of those actors on actors interviews, and I didn't know this was Who? happening, but they did. Who? Glenn Close and Pete Davidson did an oh interview together. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I have All to right, go. I'm stopping the recording right now. <laughs> I have to go. Oh my god, they talk about Cruella DeVille. We have to move I'm to the sorry. Bensons. Kane's going to call Oh my god. We'll be right back. We need a pee break. Although Kane, Livy, Julia, and I could literally talk forever about movies, unfortunately, we can't make our episodes forever long. So, when you finish listening to Oscar Bait, I know that you're just hankering for another good podcast to sink your teeth into. And what's better than a podcast that sometimes talks about people who legit have sunk their teeth into people? That's why you should check out Truly High Crime. Now, if there's two things I know that a lot of people our age like, it's true crime and weed. And this show happens to have both. Every week, the inimitable Kimmy Daniels will be smoking a little weed and discussing some of history's most notorious true crime cases. And if you're like me and you don't smoke, you can still have a great time listening. New episodes come out every Monday, and you can find them wherever you get your podcasts. Love you, Kimmy. Benson, Benson, Bebe Benny Benson. What do you think this movie will get for a Benson? Benson! When the Oscars come to us on April 25th, 2021, I'm begging and praying that the trial of the Chicago 7 will have at least a handful of nominations, but I feel like this one could be like a low-key sleeper of the season. Yep. Not sleeper in the sense that it's not good, but sleeper in the sense that people might not expect it to do as well as it will. Me neither. And I hope it does well. I could definitely 
My hope is it'll be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Sorkin has to get a nom for this. He doesn't get nominated for the screenplay. That is the greatest sin. This is a threat. If he doesn't get a screenplay nom, I'm burning my degree. <laughs> um, we didn't address this earlier, but technically the film is a Paramount picture just due to the nature of coronavirus in the world right now. Coronavirus. Um, coronavirus. They sold it to Netflix. Guys, ew. So Sorry. that's why it was distributed on Netflix. The box office numbers, I don't even think we addressed them because they're really not important because it was released in a select few number of theaters, but it's primarily a, net- a Netflix release. Wait, we have to um, bring it up though because we roasted Hillbilly Elegy for their yeah. box office numbers. Okay, we'll bring, we'll bring it up briefly. Uh, so they spent $35 milli on this film. Paramount did. Eleven million went to the acting alone, which was yeah, very well. Yeah, eleven million dollars went to the cast, and they ultimately Paramount Pictures sold it to Netflix for fifty-six million dollars. So that's already a, a pretty healthy profit margin. Netflix and Paramount are pushing all every actor in the supporting category. Thank God. What if the supporting category is just all this movie? Oh my all God! All five men. <laughs> This movie. All the main five of the seven are up for supporting. I would not be frustrated to see like Frank Langella, yeah, be nominated. The judge because he was yeah. just so villainous. Yeah. But I think it's a crime if Sasha Baron Cohen isn't nominated. He, he should for sure be nominated. Or Ryan. I think it's a stretch for Jeremy. Mark. For Jeremy Strong to be not is that even his name? Is that Kane? You're just saying white people names at this point. No, what's his name? <laughs> also, yes, Jeremy Strong. John, Bob should be nominated Mark. for supporting actor but also at the same time i've we've i've we've only seen two of the oscar bait movies so i don't like i can't get a like a huge gauge on it we can't fill it. up the category yeah. we can't put all our oofs in one basket <laughs> it was good it was good maddie it was good but yeah, yeah but I, I, think... I was trying to say mark rylance okay yeah, Mark Rylance was awesome too. I think he has a decent yes. shot again. We're only two, realistically, two movies into the season, so I don't really know. <laughs> I know, like but... where are we? <laughs> but score is yeah. good. I, if it gets nominated for score, I think that I would. I don't think, I don't it'd be think a crime. it will, but okay, probably. I, mean, I wouldn't I think it'd be a crime, honest, but I don't think it will. I really think that it it might get some acting nominations. It better get a screenplay nomination. Don't think Sorkin will get a direction. Don't think he necessarily even deserves he it. He should Especially with, like, the people that will be directing movies this year. Chloe Zhang, Cough Cough. Kelly Reinhardt. Yeah. Um, but it's... Honestly, it has some best picture prowess for me. I'll 100%. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Especially since it's a solid 10 now. It is... It's gonna be 10. 10 nominations in the category? Yes. That's oh, a absolutely. lot of movies. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. That so I think it has though. a chance. Definitely. Oh my god, do you think Hillbilly Elegy will get it then? Guys, no, no I'll come. I don't I, say that. I, please, I can't. Please. I can't even think about it. Guys, I thought we were done. We can't talk about her anymore. Like, I thought we were, I thought we put her away. If Hillbilly Elegy wins Best Picture, all four of us have to get a tattoo of Hillbilly Elegy. No, Elegy. no, and that- No, why would you say that? We have to get a tattoo that says, we were wrong, okay? It, it should say that. <laughs> we have to get a tattoo that says Green Book. <laughs> don't even. Livy. What's a hillbilly okay. elegy okay. quote? You're either a good Terminator or a bad Terminator or a neutral Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> I think my Benson's going to be... Um, so I have two. I just want to give a Benson for Jeremy Strong because I don't think he's going to get any real um, nominations. He might, but I'm just a Jeremy Strong stan, so my Benson's for Jeremy Strong. But then I have another one gets on a more serious note, guys. Benson for showing us that our judicial system is still so severely wrong. Okay, respect. Dang. My Benson is for P. 
pure, unadulterated Sorkinism. You've heard me say it 85 times in this episode of the podcast, but I love Aaron Sorkin. I love the way he writes. I love everything about him. I think he's one of the greatest. But the Benson for Sorkinism this season goes to her. The Trial of the Chicago 7. Kate? Um, I have two Bennies to give out. Um, actually, three. I lied. I have three yeah. Bensons. Is yeah. that okay? Hit yeah, the Academy gives out tons. So, since the Academy won't do it, I am giving them a Benson for Best yes. Ensemble. Um, I'm also going to give Jeremy a Benson for Best Character yes. Voice. I mm-hmm. loved it so much. I don't think I talked about Serious it whenever I talked about like my favorite vibes. acting moment. <laughs> yes! He gets the Benson for Best Character Voice. And then lastly, of course, I just am giving a general Benson for Existing to Sasha. General oh, Benson for existing. Amazing. Really good category. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All seven of the seven. Like, every, all, again, all of the acting in this film was amazing, but my sweet little soul just ached for Dave Dellinger. So my Benson for most likely to make you wish he was your uncle goes to John Carroll Lynch, who played Dave Dellinger. We didn't talk about him enough, but he really did kill it. He was such a pappy. He was such a Radical pacifist, conscientious objector. Her. I like. He was just sweet. I just liked this movie. I just no, really liked. I just this liked movie, it a lot, and I'd love to watch it again. Yeah, it was good. Thank God we got a good movie this. I week. put on my LinkedIn whenever I was promoting this episode that this might be my favorite movie so far of 2020 because I'm a little behind. I didn't see a lot because you know I couldn't leave my house. But like based off of what I did see, I think this is top contender so far for my favorite movie sure. of 2020. So good job, yeah. Aaron Sorkin. If you want to come on the pod, I will ball. Lizzie yeah, will you can come on. Here. I will ball. I would hold his hand and walk him across the crosswalk. Yeah. So we've officially broken down two of many movies that could potentially end up on your Oscars ballot this season. And we're not stopping there. So be sure to subscribe so you're the first to know when we post a new episode. Thank you to Anchor for hosting the show, Rylan Jenkins-Snaith for his help with the intro and outro. And we want to give a giant thank you to everybody for getting us to 100 listeners. Yes! Livy said that I should say that so when we inevitably get famous, we can look back and be like, oh, look how far we've come. So please tell your friends to listen so we don't look like idiots. Now, any profits that we make from the show, we want to give them to charity. So if you guys have any charities that you think we should support, please let us know. And as always, follow us on our social media accounts at OscarBaitPodcast on Instagram and at OscarBaitThePod on Twitter. Fight the power and we'll see you next week. This is OscarBait.